0: Uh, it's one of the most interesting books. There was quite a lot of debate uh, by the Jews about whether it should be in the Bible um, because it, it says some very strange things and even contradictory things. And um, uh, But it, it's a really, really important book. So um, remember I said with Job... Job is dealing with life at the extremities. So if you can um, sort of think of... Well, I find it sort of helpful. Let's say this is sort of the the path. You walk on the path here. This is ordinarily how life works. And so a lot of the Proverbs uh, really fit in here. And so a lot of Proverbs are just about being wise with money, um, wise with relationships, wise with time and work and, you know, when there's harvesting to be done, do the harvesting, don't stay in bed and then wait and wait and then um, don't be a sluggard. Uh, so, and then you will, there'll be benefits to that. There'll be blessings to that. Okay. So it's sort of the grain of the universe, the way God has made the universe. That ordinarily these things—that's how it how it works. But then, often life is outside here, where, you know, and Proverbs also does deal with it. So I'm not saying Proverbs doesn't, but Job and Ecclesiastes, I think, deal with with it more, where it doesn't matter how hard you work, nothing goes right. Don't.
1: Is it fair to say? <coughs> Proverbs is more idealistic, whereas Job and Ecclesiastes might be a little bit nihilistic.
0: Um, I wouldn't say idealistic, because if you, if you see it's a proverb, it's not a promise. Okay. It's simply saying generally. So I think it's, it's... And even within Proverbs, you already have... It talks about the poor, that uh, the poor, uh, even when they have a field... <coughs> The, the rich come and take the, the harvest away from them because they're powerless. So mm-hmm. even if they work hard, um, they don't have any recourse against injustice. But we'll look at that in Proverbs. So, but certainly, uh, nihilistic is definitely what uh, Ecclesiastes is in, in one sense. So, uh, nihilistic you don't know so I mean we get the word nil or zero nothing nihilism is is saying that there is no meaning to life and that's sort of what Ecclesiastes is about but that's not all it is about so (coughs) sorry Uh, Herman Melville who wrote Moby Dick he said that Ecclesiastes is the truest of all books so um, uh, let's see Uh, Chapter 1, verse 1, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. And um, verse 12 says, I the preacher have been king over Israel in Jerusalem. So there is quite a lot of debate who wrote Ecclesiastes. So uh, historically, the church has said Solomon. Solomon wrote it uh, as the son of David and king. Uh, in Jerusalem and we know that Solomon was uh, gave us many of the proverbs and of course he had incredible wisdom but we also know that he went off the rails. Remember we saw that, that he, he had 700 wives and 300 concubines and we're told that the foreign wives led his heart astray and so he, he drifted from the Lord So it may well be that Ecclesiastes is this period where he has drifted from God and he is uh, trying to find satisfaction in in all that the world has to offer. That might be uh, one way of looking at it. So he says in verse 2, vanity or vanity, says the preacher, vanity or vanities, all is vanity. Does anyone have a different translation? Some translations might say meaningless. The the Hebrew word is havel, uh, which. Futility of. Futility. So uh, it can be meaningless. Um, vapor. Or smoke, I think some translations say. Futility. Um, uh, here we're just trying to get the meaning the way it's being used, some say absurd. And this is, this word is found 37 times in the book of Ecclesiastes, and Ecclesiastes isn't a long book. Okay. So it really is fundamental to, to the meaning of Ecclesiastes. Um, <coughs> so it starts off by saying everything is meaningless. Everything is absurd and uh, he then says verse 3 what does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun that next phrase is very important under the sun I think it's found 29 times so this is 37 times and this is found 29 times so this is also very important um, so uh, there are there is quite a lot of debate over exactly how to interpret Ecclesiastes, but we don't have time to go into the different views. Uh, but under the sun, I would argue, means he's he's it's a view of the world that does not take God into account. So. Heaven obviously is above the sun, in in our understanding. Um, you know, it's not like there's a geographic location for it or something like that. You know, it's next to that star over there or something like that. But we understand that we'd say so it's above. Okay, heaven is above. Um, so when he talks about under the sun, it is a worldview of life. He's not an atheist, so he knows God exists, and he talks about God. But when he views life without taking uh, the full teaching of Scripture into account, everything is absurd and meaningless. Okay, um, And I think if anyone is honest, that is where they should end up. Uh, if you're not going to be a Christian, you should be a nihilist, I would argue. You should. If you're going to be consistent, you can't say... Uh, you reject God, but life still has meaning for you, and you you create your own meaning or something. You're just you're deceiving yourself. Okay, uh, one one philosopher who really understood that was a, a man called Nietzsche. So Nietzsche understood that if you're going to reject God, uh, you 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 can't then hold on to morality. Okay, you can't hold on to those things. You can't hold on to say it's wrong to steal. It's wrong to lie. He said, no, you you can't if there's no God, you can't say anything is wrong. And then he actually just argued for the the strongest. The strongest yeah. must rule and the superman, that's he doesn't mean Superman as in Clark Kent, but the the and that's sort of Darwinian evolution as well, isn't it? Survival of the fittest. And he's just been consistent in that. Um He ended up dying in an insane asylum, totally mad, but he was consistent. He understood If you're going to reject God, you have to come along and say, there is no meaning to life. It's all absurd. Solomon, if it is Solomon, is still acknowledges God, but it's an under the sun view. And he sees that there is a lot of absurdity in life. And that should also be true for us as well. There are a lot of things that. What's the point? You you sort of say, what's the point? There's so much injustice in the world, isn't there? Every day, you see injustice all the time. He talks about here a person working. They work hard, then they die, and everything that they achieved just gets left behind for someone else. Okay? So what's the point of working hard? Okay, what's the point of um, doing things? Now, what he, what he does is, um, <clears throat> in this state, he gives himself to Everything. This is one of the reasons why I, I do think it is Solomon, because Solomon was incredibly wealthy and so he could really give himself to things. Okay? So I mean most of us we think oh I'd love to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But we can't. Okay. So we still sort of think maybe it would make me happy, you know? Maybe that would satisfy me in some way. Solomon could actually do it
1: god used solomon for that reason exactly yeah
0: (laughs) definitely that's that's exactly what ecclesiastes is that solomon did it all and he comes back and he says it's all meaningless you don't have to strive for it and think it will offer it because i mean we've seen already um so well let's go through it um Verse 16, I said in my heart, I've acquired great wisdom, surpassing all who are over Jerusalem before me. And my heart has had great experience of wisdom and knowledge. And I applied my heart to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. So he gave himself to madness and folly. Um, uh, He says in verse 4, chapter 2, verse 1, I said in my heart, come now, I will rest you with, I will test you with pleasure. Enjoy yourself, but behold, this also was vanity, meaningless. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of pleasure, what use is it okay, so we we would probably tend to think well i just I just need more pleasure in my life, I need more laughter, and then I would be happy um, and and so we probably have certain things we want to do, and we think, well, that will satisfy me. Uh, verse 3, I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine. So it says, well, I'll, I'll, I'll try alcohol. You know, that'll make me happy. My heart's still guiding me with wisdom and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves. I had great possessions and flocks more than anyone else. I gathered silver and gold. I got singers and concubines. Um, The delight of the children of men. I became great, all of these things. So if you if you go through Pro Ecclesiastes, so whatever you think will let me give myself, if I could give myself to that, that thing would make me happy. So um, it's, So we've already seen he gives himself to pleasure. Um, he gives himself to, to folly, to laughter, um, to, to wine, uh, to building projects. To, to wealth, you could say luxury, to women, a
1: thousand
0: of them. Um, he gives himself to everything and he has the resources to do it. So, you know, he builds and it's, There's no stopping. You think, well, if I could just achieve, you know, if I could have a project and I would get that, then my life would be complete, you know, my legacy or something. Or uh, whatever it is, you can go through and uh, you'll find it in Ecclesiastes. He gives himself to it. And at the end of the day, he says it's all meaningless. Okay. Um, It is uh, Hevel. Now, uh, we'll come back to that. Literally, this is Abel. That's the name the name of Abel, remember? Cain and Abel, that was his name.
1: Abel.
0: Yeah. In- and uh, in Hebrew. <coughs> oh. Okay, so Abel is the
1: English version of Abel. Okay.
0: Um, so we'll come back to that. Okay, so um, <clears throat> we don't have to um we don't have time to go through all of these things. As he's going through life, though, he, he's also seen the absurdity of all of these things that we mentioned, that they cannot satisfy him. And he actually tried them. We just tend to think, uh, I remember I bought a poster as a, as a teenager. I just thought it was funny. It was a poster that says, People, those who say money can't buy you happiness just don't know where to shop. Okay. <laughs> That's so we, we, we tend to think that, I'm sure, unless, you, unless you've been able to uh, to not worry about that, but I think that we tend to think that. the, the I remember, the, I think it's Brad Pitt, and there's an interview with Jim Carrey, but Brad Pitt, no, Jim Carrey said, I wish everyone could be famous and successful and see that it doesn't satisfy. Okay. Um, and Brad Pitt said a similar thing. So we don't believe them, though. We all think, yeah, whatever. you just yeah. saying that, okay? Well, then we're fools, okay? They're actually there. They've experienced all the fame and fortune and status. And they're saying it doesn't make them happy. I mean, think about it. If, if it did make people happy, wouldn't Hollywood actors and actresses be the happiest people, the happiest marriages, the happiest lives? What do we find? We don't find that. It's the most sad, tragic, broken. Okay. Ecclesiastes, Solomon is saying that as well. I've done all of this. And I'm telling you, it's meaningless. Okay. It cannot satisfy you. So we need to believe that.
1: Okay. Yes, thank you. So um, i sure it would be the case, but I, I would assume... Um, in this case Solomon would be talking about like really what's the word obsessing over those sort of hedonistic acts a a
0: life under the sun okay apart from God
1: so Um. these those things in and of itself like by itself isn't necessarily a bad thing it does also involve the choices that you make
0: so some of these certainly you know if you give yourself to folly okay. oh, yeah. or to madness, that's not a good thing. That's sort of like nihilism. You give yourself to simply being hedonistic and chasing okay. pleasure. But pleasure, in and of itself, is not wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you give yourself to alcohol. That's not. That's obviously uh, sinful, and obviously more than one wife is sinful. Um, so, but you're right in terms of you know wanting to enjoy things, wanting to laugh, um, building uh, projects, um, marriage, sexual intimacy. Yes, they're not evil in and of themselves, not at all. Um, but we must remember that they they can't satisfy. Okay. Um, they were never made to. And when we put that pressure of being God on them, then it destroys it. Okay, so... But if we enjoy these things as to the Lord, then then yes. Um, so he does come around frequently. He'll come back and say, oh, "Look, there's the only thing you can do." So look at verse um, um, chapter two, verse eighteen. I hated all my toil in which I toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows what he'll be like. So. Um, Verse 20, so I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is... Vanity. Then he says, verse 24, There is nothing better for a person than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. This also I saw is from the hand of God, for apart from him who can eat or who can have enjoyment? For to the one who pleases him God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy, but to the sinner he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and striving after wind. That's another phrase that he uses, chasing, chasing after the wind, just showing futility. Okay. So there he says, look, but try and enjoy uh, your your life, try and enjoy things. And he says, uh, evil is coming. Futility is coming. But if you're having a good day, enjoy it. Okay. So it's almost like living the moment. Okay. Um, uh, another thing that keeps coming up is death because he keeps coming back to that we're, we're all going to die and it doesn't matter how rich you are you're going to die the same as a poor person doesn't matter how famous you are if you're the king you'll die the same as a pauper so he keeps coming back to that he keeps coming back to injustice he sees oppression everywhere because um,
1: he has been existential
0: <laughs> so so, um, yeah. There's several ways one can go. I think the one way is to say, um, even when he's saying enjoy stuff, he, even when he says enjoy things, he'll say he'll always sort of stick the knife in. It seems he'll say even this is meaningless. Okay. So the one interpretation is basically. Until the end, he's he's telling us, um, yeah, you can try and be happy, but what's the point? Okay, so that's one view, that all of these chapters are just all the things he's tried, and he's just seen the brokenness of the world, and he's seen that they don't satisfy, and even you can try, you know, try to be happy today, but tomorrow it's going to be evil, uh, and so it's meaningless at the end of the day. Another view is that, these little moments, which are interspersed, where he says, "Enjoy the day," try and enjoy the day, is uh, because these are words for his son. So it's very interesting. That's why the, the the you know the Jews were like, "Ah, is this really what you want to teach your son?" Um, maybe this shouldn't be in the Bible. But I like what um, uh, one one commentator, Waltke, says, and I, I have to study more because it sort of made me think. <clears throat> if it, it doesn't it doesn't matter if you're if you're the best Christian, you really love the Lord, you still cannot look at the world and say, Well, it's great okay? you have to say there is absurdity here, okay there is injustice, there is brokenness, there is you work hard and then it's all taken away there's it's absurd, okay, and he says this I'm quoting him now um uh, Waltke. <clears throat> well let's let's come back to this uh <clears throat> to Abel, so remember that the the word means vapor that's literally think of Abel's life. it's pretty absurd, hey
1: mm.
0: like he mm. he's born. He obeys the Lord and gets killed. It's, it seems absurd. I mean, what's So here's what Waldke says. Adam and Eve named their son Abel Vapor. Uh, sorry, yeah, they name their son Abel. Vapor, which is what his name means, died prematurely. In other words, he was like Vapor. His life was fleeting. Mm. Uh, I think James says that, your life is a vapor. Without progeny, he had no children or a monument or gaining any advantage. <clears throat> and apart from faith, his life and death are senseless.
1: His name appears in, in Hebrews.
0: Yeah. <laughs> if one reflects on Abel's life under the sun, it was Hevel. Absurd. Okay. See that makes, see what he's saying there? Apart from faith, apart from trusting God, and we know that God is righteous and that Abel has been with the Lord for these thousands of years, perfectly happy. Apart from that, it's meaningless. It's senseless, futile, absurd. So if it is Solomon, whoever it is, is may well be saying rather, yeah, life is absurd. But trust God in the midst of it because he knows what he is Mm -hmm. doing. So Waltke later on says this. The book celebrates the triumph of faith, not the triumph of the human spirit. Koheleth, that's preacher, that's the Hebrew word, does not fall back on faith to save the day for the righteous. He is not presenting a debate, asking the son to award the debate to faith, not to skepticism. So that's you know, he's not saying um, skepticism is really bad and you know, faith is really good. Rather, he is teaching his son to recognize the stupidity of his existence and the sublimity of God. If he can do that, he can enjoy his brief life, not fearing the judgment to come. The time to enjoy life in the fear of God is now. This is what... what Uh, Ecclesiastes says in chapter 9, verse 7 through 9, Go, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For it is now that God favors what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. (laughs) (laughs) So you see what he's saying? He's saying... Uh, you look at life and there's absurdity. There's injustice, there's brokenness, there's, um, in this life, you look at an able. Senseless, meaningless. But when you look beyond through faith in God, then God is doing something amazing. Uh, We take that by faith. We trust that the Lord is, is doing that in the midst of absurdity. That's one way of looking at it. Another is that's when you look with, under the sun, life is ultimately meaningless. And it's only at the end that he then looks above the sun. Okay, so the end of Proverbs, I mean Ecclesiastes, is uh, chapter 12. Verse 13, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. So there it is, fear God. That's the whole duty of man, fear God. I, I think there is something to it, though, to say fear God in this absurd life, Okay, in that sense. We're not saying God's plan is absurd or meaningless we say that's actually where the meaning is ultimately like if you look at job if you don't know god is working it seems absurd doesn't it here is a good man who's (laughs) everything is taken away and he's wiped out and he's broken and finished when you see the bigger picture you say well god you're at work It seems absurd. I mean, we all have those moments. Why? Why did that happen? What is going on here? Uh, This just doesn't make sense. It seems absurd. And in that, no, trust God. Seek to enjoy today. Um, uh, Yeah, let me see if I can find it in closing. last quote from Waltke that I thought was really good. Uh, he says this to be sure, work on an assembly line seems without meaning. So on an assembly line you you know you tighten a bolt and then you tighten the next bolt, it seems meaningless. And even creative work that seems meaningful turns out to be meaningless in death. So, you know, you could be a great artist. Well, you're gonna die and leave it all behind. What's the point? But thank God if He has given you the grace to be thankful for a paycheck. Mm. Thank God that you can clank your fork on a china plate and eat a steak. Life is absurd, as the existentialist knows too well. But thank God you can put a disc on your CD player and hear Beethoven. Okay. So you wrote this a while ago when there were CD players. <laughs> so I, I, it's interesting. I read this today because I, I enjoy Waldke, so I hadn't. It's a new sort of aspect on Ecclesiastes. But I think there's something to what he's saying. That we have to be honest that there's a lot that doesn't make sense and that's what, even remember even in in, uh, Job Job doesn't get told what's what's going on Mm. Um, God doesn't explain it to him, there's lots of things that will happen that we don't know why, what's going on but we trust God Mm. and we seek to in the moment give thanks Lord I don't know what's going on but thank you that I have a heater at the moment, and we are warm inside here, and we we enjoy the day today, because evil is coming, and but ultimately, in the end, God is sublime, and it will be glorious and perfect, and He knows what He's doing. Yes, Duncan.
1: Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, <coughs> uh, but at least for like Job and Ecclesiastes, I'm, I'm sure there are the other wisdom books as well. Something, like, I I notice is it's funny how, like, we would complain about these external circumstances, but it's funny how God doesn't necessarily change that. Yeah. It's more like a change. He hardly ever does it. Yeah, it's more like looking we have in to, introspection and yes. saying we need to change our mindset on the way we view God and how he
0: Yes. Works. 100%. Yeah. So so that's what we say about prayer. The prayer isn't to change God's mind. It's, it's that we would change. As we pray, we actually change. So, I just want to say my Old Testament lecturer, he said that Ecclesiastes is what he called pre-evangelistic. So, um, Ecclesiastes can be used, I think, in a powerful way to... Um. To show people that life is meaningless. Mm. Okay. Right. So, uh, Francis Schaeffer said, uh, he was an apologist. In your apologetics, you want to bring people to the line of despair. Okay. So, Ecclesiastes has been—he's been raw, isn't he? He's been mm. like. It's it's, what's the point of everything? It's all vanity. It's all meaningless, and and so, you know, while a person still has confidence in something, to a reason to live for something, they're not going to come to Christ. You have to reach rock bottom before you come to Christ. So this is a philosophical way. Ecclesiastes is saying, look, this guy has tried all the things; they do not satisfy. Nothing in this world will satisfy. So you bring people to the line of despair. And then, of course, there's the gospel. Okay, so. um, So it is an amazing book. Uh, So I'd encourage you to read it. It's very, very interesting. Um, One thing he says is there's nothing new under the sun. He's not talking about, you know, there's nothing new, like there's always been computers. No, there haven't always been computers. That's a new thing. (laughs) Uh, He's talking about... Uh, a new thing that will change the outlook on life. Mm. Remember, he is writing before Christ. Christ has come. The new covenant has come. We do have something better e- now. Okay? So, yes, we still admit there is absurdity and, and seemingly meaninglessness. But Christ has come. And so, uh, even more than thank you for you know, a heater. Mm. Salvation, and that we know God in Christ, and so uh, we have we have a lot more than than Solomon, whoever the author was, uh, because Christ has come, something new has come um, there is something new under the sun, Christ came to earth and uh, walked on this earth to save, to save his people, okay. Um, Let me, let me, no questions or anything? Uh, no. Okay. Let me close this in prayer. Well, Father, we thank you so much for our time together and these two amazing books. That are, uh, so, so different to many other books in the Bible, but we, we thank you for them, Lord. Uh, we thank you for your kindness to us, that you, your word is sufficient for every experience, every thought, every emotion. We praise you for that, Lord. We do do pray that uh, we would be those who are brought to the end of ourselves so that we find our all in you, Father. We thank you that there is something new under the sun, that Christ has come as a man, lived a perfect life, and died in our place. And so uh, we look forward to the resurrection and the hope that we have. Um, And Lord, help us to trust you when... We don't understand why things are happening the way they're happening. May we rest in your love and your kindness and that you know what's best. You are governing all things. Uh, our brains are really small. Uh, you are you are God. Uh, please keep everyone safe as they travel. Continue to keep us tonight. Give us rest and strength for tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Great.
1: Thanks, guys. Um, Just note that next week there will be no School of the Bible. We'll take a break for next week, but we should be back um, the following week. Uh, The details will be communicated with you um, in the group. If you're not in the group, the link has been shared in the chat. Um, There's a WhatsApp group.